This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hey there, cat lovers. Welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Prim, and I'm a small animal veterinarian and cat lover. Today is kind of an interesting format and a new idea because I have joined forces with OBHAVES Art and More, and we are going to explore some very interesting things that cats do and why we think cats do them. So we'll be right back with Arden after a quick break. How many of you have pets? My hand's raised. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. And that pet is lucky to have you too. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. So we developed Bob's for dogs and cats to help pets in need. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear or fun, stylish apparel, or even the cutest Bob's pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love to help save shelter pets. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and raised over $7 million. So while you're getting style and comfort with features like Skechers' famous memory foam cushioning, you're also helping to save an adorable pet in need and helping another lucky owner be connected with a future best friend and companion because happiness is having a loving pet by your side. Find Bob's at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, select pet co-locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. And I have with me Arden Moore. Hey, Arden. Big pause up, Dr. Cat. We're doing dueling podcasts together. Awesome. I know this is- so exciting because every time um, Arden and I talk, we have a ton of fun and we hope that our listeners will too. So today I kind of wanted to talk about some of the questions that I get from listeners and followers on social media and things about weird things that cats do. And Arden's kind of an expert too, and she's kind of meowvulous. So we're just going to jump right in. So, um, Arden, give me some questions that you've heard. Yeah, and I just want everybody to know this is going to appear on both shows with Nine Lives with Dr. Cat and my show, Oh Behave, both on Pet Life Radio. Our poor producer, Mark Winter, is dueling recordings for both of them right now. Thank you, Mark. He is the surgeon of sound. But I think it's kind of cool. We have a veterinarian and a pet behavior consultant. And let's just dive in. I There's a lot of questions we have about cats. And uh, do you want me to just toss one out there and we can discuss it? Well, I used to write a column for a website for cats and they would take questions and they would pose them and then I would write them up. And it was it was fun. And I wrote like 250 of them. Well, that was for I Heart Cats. That's a right. big deal. Yeah. So so that was fun. And and I remember the questions were were really cool. Some of them were general and some of them were super specific. But I remember one that was sort of fun. And I bet you think it's fun, too. Why are calico cats always female? Yeah, let's get into the science. We're going to talk chromosomes, aren't we? 
Yes, we are. So I love telling these kinds of quirky fun facts to my clients in the exam room because, you know, veterinary visits don't have to be all medicine. We can have a little fun too. So it is true that rarely do we find a calico cat that is male. Right. And all of the reason is because female cats are X chromosome XX. Right. And male cats are chromosome X and why. And the calico pattern, color pattern, is found on the X chromosome. So if you think about a female cat being X and X, one of her X chromosomes is showing you one of those cool patches, whether it's the orange or, right. or the black, and the other one is showing the other one. But in a male cat with X and Y, only one of those actually gets to show itself. So, so wait, when you're catting around, you know, this kitty, you know, may have more than one suitor, but I love that it's the female, the XX that is the factor. Yeah, but here's the coolest thing. Okay. It can happen that a male cat is a calico. It is rare, but there are some chromosomal abnormalities, if you want to call them that, um, where a male cat will have an extra copy of an X chromosome. Wow. In which case... Is that a transgender cat? Well, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I'm just saying. Okay. <laughs> you're so you're so cutting edge. But yes, it kind of is because the male cat is X, X, Y. Wow. So that's really cool because each of the X chromosomes that the male cat has can show those color patterns. And then they have the Y, which makes them male. So it can happen. I don't remember the statistics. I know it's quite rare. I've been a veterinarian for a really long time. We're not going to get into exactly how long, but, um, and I have only seen one. Okay. Well, here's the deal too. Let's talk about the personalities of calicos. Years ago, I did have a calico and everybody laugh out loud ahead. Guess what my cat's name was? You can guess. Callie? Yeah. <laughs> But full name, Callie, my pally. But I remember Dr. Marty Becker, America's family vet. I love what he described. He described calicos as this. Calicos are like a box of chocolates. They're sweet on the outside and a little nuts on the inside. So Callie was like that. It took her forever to really feel comfortable around anybody that came into my house. All of a sudden, she would dash out of the room and you would see my bedspread moving like this little mass moving because she managed to get under the bedspread above the, the top sheet and she would think no one could see her, but she was like a little mobile moving <laughs> object. So I loved Callie, but they can be a little quirky, right? Yeah, they can. And you know what? I don't really know about the true scientific link between coat color and personality, but right. anecdotally, I think pretty much anybody that works with a lot of cats would say that calico cats can be a little more aloof, perhaps a little more anxious. And I know we can all say for sure, each cat has their own personality. Correct. People that think it's just a cat, they're no. just crazy. It's just not that way. Well, actually on the opposite spectrum, if you will, yesterday, September 1st was Ginger Cat Appreciation Day. I have two of them. Rusty and Casey. And again, the XF chromosome plays a role. And those are the tabbies that tend to be more male than female, right? 
I have always heard that, but I could not find statistics to support that. But I saw a ginger kitten yesterday. In fact, I posted him all over my social media because he was so cute. And it's definitely a he, even though it's sometimes hard to tell in little kittens, don't you think? Oh, oh yeah. I can't check under the hood and determine that's not my expertise. <laughs> but uh, in my whole life, this is the first time I've ever had a pair of gingers and they're very outgoing. Don't be insulted cat lovers. They're dog-like a little bit. They both know how to walk on a leash, on a harness, ride a pet stroller, do silly tricks and help me teach pet first aid. But with ginger cats, they come in different uh, markings. They could be mackerel, striped, tick, spotted, their coats. But five to one, there is uh, usually they're boys, not girls. And the and the calicos are the are, are more girls than boys. That's kind of neat though, don't you think? Because they're neither one is a breed. It's their color patterns. I love it. So I've always thought that color coat genetics was yeah. fascinating. And so, you know, like with horses, horses have really intricate coat patterns. And the calico cat is another just kind of fascinating thing. I love to tell that story to my clients. No. All right. Check. We did that one. Uh, that leads me to another one that I think okay. is interesting because you said you think maybe calico cats can be a little quirky on the inside. So here's one. Why is my cat drawn to non-cat people? You oh, know, like, yeah. you know how that is. People come over to your house that are maybe allergic to cats or something. Or they don't like cats. Or don't like cats. So let's talk about why, why do you think that is? Well, I've addressed this a lot in uh, my cat background for eight years. I was the editor of Catnip through Tufts University, and I got to hang out with brainiacs like you. And I just updated a book called The Cat Behavior Answer Book. So we even addressed that in that book. And it's this way. If you're not really keen around cats or you have an allergy, you need to act a little animated when you're around a cat because your instinct is to be still and not make eye contact and hope the cat will just ignore you. But let's get into the cat mind, the feline mystique, if you will. And they're like, oh, I'm definitely going over to that person because that person's showing great feline etiquette, not pushing themselves on me, not yapping at me. This is the person I'm going to hang out with. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Cat? I would. In fact, um, as a fear-free certified professional in my exam rooms, that is part of the strategy that we employ to make the cats feel safe is we don't stare at them and we try right. to be kind of sneaky. People at work say I'm like a ninja because, because I can listen to a cat's heart without the cat really realizing. Now, I do have to kind nice. of crawl around a little bit, you know, and get on the floor or put the cat in the window seat. But if you want a cat to come to you and feel comfortable, you cannot chase after the cat like you would a dog. So, so yeah, I think that's, that's an awesome question. And it well, tells I want to do a, a shout out to you guys. Humbly, she's humble. She is the very first veterinarian on the planet to become certified as a fear-free pet professional. So that kudos to you, Dr. Prim, because that's a big accomplishment. And anybody that's lucky to have you as their veterinarian has got somebody that's always trying to learn more. And so just don't act animated around a cat <laughs> if you're allergic or really don't get them. And do act animated, I mean, because it's kind of a kitty turnoff. I always tell people, you've got to give the kitty the finger. Now, everybody's like, what? I know it's radio, 
but your index finger, if you extend it out and let the cat come to your finger and do a little cheek rub, that's, that's like a kitty hello, wouldn't you say? Oh, I love that. So, you know, I, I did an interview for one of our veterinary magazines about how being fear-free has changed my practice culture and so on. And it just happened to be on a day where I saw almost all cats. I mean, I just, I saw a lot of cats. Some days, a lot of dogs, some days, a lot of cats, but um, the whole day went by all of my cat exams, all my cat vaccines, sick cats, everything, and not a single cat hissed at me. Nice. You know, that's a good day, isn't it? It is. And it didn't used to be, Oh, <laughs> you know, because sometimes you have to do things to cats as a veterinarian that they don't like. So I can be ninja and kind of sneak it in and, and it has made the practice better and it's made my life better because I love cats. I don't want them to hiss at me. <laughs> no, no. I wish we lived closer. You would definitely be my veterinarian. I have a great veterinarian though, Dr. Deborah Charles. She is a fear-free professional as well. I love her very much. But if we lived closer, I would love to have my cats uh, and my dogs get some care from you. Well, I wish we lived closer also. So, okay. So here's another one that okay. people ask a lot. Why does my cat ignore me? <laughs> and, you know, I've seen some funny things on the internet, something like cats have 36 facial muscles all to ignore you with or something like that. But um, I think that's a, a little bit of an insight into a cat personality. What do you think? Yeah, I think uh, we're working the dog-pleasing portion of our brains, I think, when we come to that posture, because dogs are really big up on, like me, like me, like me. I actually hear people say, my dog loves me, and I think my cat does too. And for people to think in, that a cat rocks their world is magnanimous, but cats are both prey and predator and they are very good at being uh, observant of what's going on before they act. They're not hasty in their decisions. They don't pop something in their mouth like a, a dog does and then says, uh-oh. So I think when you think a cat is ignoring you, I think they're just sizing up their environment using all their senses before they proceed. I agree. But, you know, I also think that part of it is how verbal and vocal we are. Yes. I think that cats don't use a lot of sound to communicate with one another. So if you haven't trained your cat to do a behavior like come when I call you, the cat doesn't see that as anything. I mean, right. I, I think they ignore you because they just think you're crazy. <laughs> you know. So I don't think it's just being a cat, like you said. So yes, I don't think your cat's ignoring you just to be aloof. Right. I think it's, they're just being a cat and our expectations of what that means may need to be reset. Well, you brought up a good point about vocalizations because my two cats, Casey and Rusty will play and it's like they're being mimes. There's no sound. And that's a good indicator. If you hear that, that's not a good sign. But my cat, Casey and I will have conversations. Hey, Casey, should we watch this show or that one? No, 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 no. Because I think cats realize we're really not so great at body language interpretation and they feel like they have to make sounds to communicate with us. So if you got a chatty cat, um, that's cool. But uh, I think there are better studies of um, body language than we are. I think so too. I've learned a lot about body language as a veterinarian and, and how important it is to be tuned in mm -hmm. and, and the average animal owner 
doesn't really know unless their veterinarian or someone that they've worked with has brought it to their attention that animals are always communicating. Oh, yeah. They oh, just yeah. don't have words. But yeah, it's really a cool thing. There are some resources that I think are really cool on fearfreehappyhomes.com. Thank they you have, for bringing that videos. up. Yes. Have you seen that? They have videos and drawings mm -hmm. to show you what it's like um, Rosetta Stone, right? To show yeah, that's you a good what way of your pet it. is telling you. And, and that's awesome because it makes you a better pet owner, I think. Well, fearfreehappyhomes.com is should be tattooed on your forearm. Just kidding. But it does have a lot of great resources, veterinarian approved. I actually write some of those articles, Fear Free Pets too. So I just think you need to get good information from good sources. And in all my pet first day classes, I always share that link, Fear Free Happy Homes. I love it too. I even print out some things from it to give to my actual clients because Good. it's yeah. free and it's you can trust it. So should we take a quick commercial break so we can pay for this show? You think? Hey, I think we should. Um, okay, guys, we'll be right back. All right. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat and our dueling podcasts. <laughs> There's my sound effects. Oh, it's a low budget. <laughs> so Arden Moore and I are talking about quirky cat things and questions you might have had about why does my cat do this or that? And so I think here's another one that I hear a lot in my exam room. I kind of want to get your input on it, Arden. Okay. Why won't my cat eat canned food? Hmm. Have you, okay. have you ever thought about that? Yeah, I actually, uh, I am not a veterinarian. I am not a veterinary nutritionist. I don't play one on TV, but every issue of Catster, I do the nutrition column. So I get to talk to folks like you and board certified and, and nutrition too. And cats, just like people, have certain things that they like and they don't like. There is a lot of good moisture in canned food, but cats are obligate carnivores. Meat, 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 meat. That's what they thrive better on. So when it comes to feeding them, obviously you want to offer them a variety, 
number one, because if they ever have to be at the veterinarian overnight or someplace boarded and they have to switch diets, a cat that has a more diverse palate is good. But when it comes to the canned food, it's a preference with the substrate or the, the texture of the foods. My cat, Mikey, is a senior cat. We feed our cats really high quality canned and a dry food. And Mikey will eat any of the canned food unless it contains something shredded like chicken. It could have pieces of uh, fish in it, but if it's shredded, it's a no-no for his taste preference. That's my humble input. What's yours? Well, so, so there's this cool book. Okay. I don't know if you've read it. I don't even remember who told me about it, but I think it was one of the cat gurus that I talked to or interview. Um, and it's called The Behavior of the Domestic Cat. And I want to talk more about books, but okay. this one is, um, it won, let's see, it's Dr. Bradshaw. I don't think he's a veterinarian, but he did all these studies that looked oh. at why cats do some of these interesting things. Now, it's not an easy read. It's very technical. It's all of his studies and everything, but it was fascinating to me. So his theory is that when kittens are being raised and reared, even during the time they are with their mothers, yes. um, the, the things that they're exposed to can form their palate to a degree. And so some cats never get canned cat food until they are past the point where their brains are learning. Oh, and so they may not even see canned cat food as a food source. So I encourage everyone with kittens, offer them lots of different kinds of food Good. because yes. at some point in their life, your veterinarian may say, gosh, your, your cat has kidney disease and needs to eat this special food. And it only comes in this kind or that kind, you know, right. whatever it, it puts you in the driver's seat a little bit more. And it's hard to change. Now you can teach an old cat new tricks, but maybe not a new food. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, the diversity of textures and types of proteins early on will help them as they become adults. And I know that cats don't have a sweet tooth receptor. I wish I didn't have a sweet tooth receptor. So they, they do have certain things that are different than us, but uh, aren't they more led by their nose toward attracted to food? I think so. So this man really looked at all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's kind of but, cool. And it's super interesting. And yes, I think it, it it's texture and odor and, and cats definitely have preferences. Oh, yeah. So oh, yeah. here's another cool thing he looked at and another question. Why okay. is my cat finicky? Well, let's define finicky. To a cat, finicky may be I'm really acting cool and I'm not over exuberant. But to others, they're being a little finicky. So what's your take on that definition of the word finicky? Well, so I think, um, I think when my clients ask me about it, it's because maybe they chose a certain type of cat food and the cat just wouldn't eat it. You're right. And cats as a rule, I, I think really like new things like new toys and, and puzzle toys and that kind of stuff. They like novel items, but possibly right. not novel food. And it can take several feedings for a cat to maybe recognize that something is food. But this book that I was telling you about that is kind of technical, he believes that cats need to rotate diets because right. in the wild, they may eat, oh, I don't know, birds or crickets or whatever, and they will change up what they're eating in order to meet their own nutritional needs. So they actually know what they need. 
Right. That's a That's really good point. Yeah, cool. I like that. Yeah, I like it. You've been doing your research. I have. Yeah. And this, this book is so fascinating. So yeah, I, that's another thing I tell my clients in the exam rooms. Did you know that your cat can do this? I mean, I, I just respect cats. So, okay. So here's another cool thing. And I don't remember what the question was that made me even think about this, but it's a cool thing. They did a study in which they fed cats. Cats were full, not at okay. all hungry. And they introduced something that looked like a prey item, like a mouse or something like that. And the cats would still chase it and the cats would still prey on it. And so this theory, this man's theory is that preying is separate from hunger for cats. Interesting. And that's why they need to play and they need to chase things. And they, you know, it's not just about food. It's about mental health to a degree. Right. I mean, when you're a prey and a predator, your mindset, you're always out for the hunt, but you're always looking around. So you're not hunted. But I do think that has a lot of merit with cats because it's the chase. The chase is really stimulating their brain cells. And I think that that is an important role that we as cat lovers have to play in providing for that. So I know that you and I both really kind of like things that work a cat's brain and move a cat's body. So yeah, what can you recommend to the listeners? Well, without doing a certain product, but I do like this product. I think uh, another veterinarian, a friend of ours, Dr. Liz Bales, has created a whole line of food puzzles and things that are shaped like mice under Doc and Phoebe's brand. And I think uh, cats do like food puzzles and we do licky mats or scatter mats uh, on occasion with our cats to work their noses and try to find the kibble hidden in there. So I think sometimes we can uh, give the food bowl a break for a minute and try some other option at mealtime. I agree. I actually give puzzle toys to my clients because I just think it's it just helps them start It's to nice think. to watch them work. You can see the yeah. you know, smoke coming out of their ears. Don't worry, folks. Their <laughs> brain is not on fire. It's just figurative. But it's like, wow, I get to solve this. It's like, I enjoy doing crossword puzzles. This is a crossword puzzle for a cat. They don't need a pen. And, you know, um, some cats are by nature, like we mentioned, kind of anxious. Mm-hmm. But being active helps normalize their brain chemistry. And helps them cope with anxiety and and just helps them have an overall sense of well-being. And if we can do that for them as their guardians, then we're we're meeting all of their needs. It makes a better relationship, I think. Yes, your sofa is saved, the litter box is used, they're purring, they're happy. We can do so many little vital things. We're sharing our home with them. And when they feel safe and content, it spills over to everybody. I agree. So, okay, I've got a couple more questions that were sort of weird that, I mean, not difficult, but just sort of weird. Someone asked me, can my cat catch bed bugs? Do you know the answer to that? I have no idea. I hope I never have to deal with that on a personal note, (laughs) but go for it. You've got the DVM after your name. No, your cat cannot catch bed bugs. Wow. 
But I got to tell you, when I was a student, I was doing an, an externship as a student in a veterinary practice. And the um, seasoned technicians thought that it was delightful to put me on the phone when people called <laughs> with quirky <laughs> things like that. And so yeah. I will never forget it. I was a senior in vet school. And one of the technicians said, Catherine, we have a phone call. Could you answer this question for this client? And I get on the phone unsuspecting. And the person on the other end says, because of an unfortunate accident, my cat has been exposed to human pubic lice. Oh, what do I do? (laughs) Wow. Can you hold, please? (laughs) Yeah. Hold, please, while I laugh. And then I'll come back to you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I like how they said it, an unfortunate accident. Yeah. And I, and my mind was reeling, right? I mean, you know, I just don't know, but, but how did so you answer? The answer is that because it is a human louse, it doesn't live long-term on a cat. Okay. So regular Oof. flea sprays, I know, itchy, uh, a regular flea sprays will take care of that on a cat but I am not a physician and I cannot tell anyone how to get rid of human lice on themselves, but I can help their cat. And nowadays we have such excellent flea products right, right. Um, that last. So it's less of an issue than it, it was when I first got out of, or was a senior in vet school, but yeah, they, and they were all laughing at me. They thought that was a delightful, but you have that nice voice tone that later you'll be laughing, but you were helping the cat and that was paramount. Well, I mean, that's what it's all about, but yeah. And it's a good story, right? Because now I do radio. Well, Uh, this this has just really been so much fun. It it always is. And I knew I would have fun talking with you. Can you think of anything else that is just a burning question? I just think uh, sometimes people don't understand uh, the tail talk. And they do use their tail as a mood barometer. And in classes, I will call my cat, Casey, the ginger boy, and I'll say to everybody, watch him hoist his tail lazily up in the air. And I bet three, two, one, he will start twitching the top third. And he does it every time as he approaches me. And I said, that is a cat saying, you rock my world. So I do think it's important to pay attention to tail movements in cats, because the side to side, like a doggy wag is a cat warning lash back off. So what do you think? Want to finish with the tail? Oh yeah. Hey, let's finish with the tail. Yeah. Tail talk at the end. Yeah. Why does, why does my cat twitch his tail? Well, so sometimes I think that the lash is what people are asking about, Yeah, yeah. but you bring up a really good point in that Casey isn't lashing his tail. You know, he's communicating something different, but in my job, I used to see the tail lash a lot more and, and cats that are preying, that are hunting um, can twitch their tail when they're, you know, in a predation stance. Right. And people have argued that that seems like a bad idea that the movement would catch the eye of the, the prey, but, um, but it's part of the thing that cats do. So it's not always a good thing for your cat to be twitching its tail, but if it's holding the tail up and twitching like Casey does, it's a good thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The end. No. <laughs> and that brings us to the close of <laughs> the good. tail, right? That's the yes. end. Yes. Wow. That was a lot of fun. I really appreciate doing a, a co-host on your show and my show, Oh Behave, so folks can listen to 
either show because it's going to be the same. But it was very nice to team up with you, Dr. Kat. Absolutely. And so I guess to all the O Behave listeners, check out Nine Lives with Dr. Cat, right? And for all the Nine Lives listeners, go check out O Behave. And don't forget your dog show too. Oh, yeah. Dr. Cat gone to the dogs. I'm just crazy animal. No, you're crazy good. And <laughs> I also want to salute our producer, Mark Winter. He's the executive producer of Pet Life Radio. We are the largest pet radio network on the planet. And that's thanks to him. So uh, everybody, let's give a pause and applause to Mark Winter. Yes, uh, pause and applause is perfect. I always salute him. So also thanks to all of our listeners today, because without you, we couldn't have so much fun. So thank you. And I always say, go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.